Hey, welcome to The Jig Is Up. My name is Darcy, and uh, normally Jason would be joining us, but he can't make it tonight, so it's just going to be me ranting and raving. So it may even be a little bit shorter podcast. Who knows? Uh, I wanted to let everybody know before we get started real quick here that uh, we do have our new website up and running, www.metipodcast.ca. Uh, head over there and feel free to check it out. We got a list. You can sign up for our email list. You can check out the latest episodes. Check out some of our Twitter feed. Uh, you can also read the blog if you want to read the blog, which comes out every Friday. Uh, so far, I've been fairly decent in keeping it going every Friday. Uh, so yeah, check that out all on the website. And it also has links to our Patreon page, which will be in the link in the description of this show as well if you want to check that out. Uh, I want to jump right into, uh, you know, Statistics Canada a couple months ago or maybe six months ago came out with their latest statistics. And it caused just an absolute storm of activity on, on social media. Uh, you know, the Métis National Council and its affiliates, what we like to call the cartel, they, uh, you know, they came out hard against the statistics saying they were inaccurate. They included Métis in the East, which of course there's none, right? There's no Métis in the East, according to them. And so they just cried foul about these statistics. And then academics that were Red River nationalists were absolutely up in arms about this. And it was just, uh, you know, you had your social media warriors just going crazy on there. And, but what's interesting is, you know, for all that talk and all that fury and all that vitriol against Eastern Métis, we then hear David Chartrand coming out and saying, oh, he represents 400,000 Métis. And the Métis Nation of Alberta claims that it represents 114,000 Métis. Um, but those numbers come from the Statistics Canada data, not from your actual membership. Because from what I understand, the Métis Nation of Alberta has anywhere from thirty-three to 36,000 members. Um, so I don't know how they got to 114,000 so quickly. Oh, it's because they used the Statistics Canada numbers. So... On the one hand, we'll cry foul because it doesn't work in our favor. Uh, because we don't want those Eastern Métis to be recognized. We So we got to cry foul about these statistics. Oh, but we want to fluff up our numbers and, and make up... And just basically make up BS and tell tell people what, what makes us sound really big and huge and good. Um, and if you... Uh, you know, you, these numbers are easy to find. They're very open about their boastfulness about these numbers. Um, I found them, I was looking around and I just happened to stumble across a, a LinkedIn account for somebody who is an, uh, I quote unquote, elected official for the Métis Nation of Alberta in one of the regions. And on that LinkedIn account, it states so proudly that the Métis Nation is the fastest growing population in Canada, even though they screamed bloody murder about that when they looked at the rise in Métis in the East. Um, they are also there are also over five hundred thousand Métis, and, and the Métis Nation of Alberta themselves represent, of course, one hundred fourteen thousand. Now, there's another thing that's interesting in this that I find, which is not only the fact that they'll just fluff up these numbers to make themselves look good to who I don't know, because the general population of Canada doesn't really pay attention to Métis politics and Métis issues too well. So, really, it's Métis people. Uh, may perhaps a few other indigenous people like First Nations Inuit um, that are interested. Uh, and then the government of Canada. Really, that's about the only people that really pay attention to Métis issues and politics. And so are they fluffing these numbers up for their own people? Why would you bother? Why, why do you need to 
make stuff up to impress your own people. If if you were elected in and you're so popular and you're so amazing, you shouldn't have to make stuff up. You shouldn't have to boast and f- fluff up numbers. And and honestly, it just seems like an outright lie. I mean, you know, David Chartrand is on video saying he represents over 400,000 Métis, but does he? I would say that's a lie. And if he if if in my opinion it's a lie, and if they were ever if they ever wanted to prove those numbers and and provide a way to, for people to verify that they represent four hundred thousand Métis, I'd come I'd happily come back on the show and retract my statement and say nope he was absolutely honest and I was wrong. So until that day, I'm going to go with these guys love to lie. And but again, um, the other thing that I noticed that I thought was interesting too was. They say they represent 400,000 Métis, but that there's over 500,000 Métis in Canada. So they're admitting that they don't represent all the Métis in Canada. They're leaving Métis out, of the, out in the cold. So either they're heartless and they, have, they, they do this for fun by excluding certain Métis, or they recognize that they don't represent all the Métis and that they're are over 100,000 Métis, according to their numbers, that are being refused access to scholarships, uh, programs and services, funding for housing and things like that from the federal government. Funding that is supposed to be available to Métis people, not a select group of Métis people, not the elite of Métis people, but Métis people. So there's, by by the cartel's own admission, there's over 100,000 Métis that are getting screwed out of this deal. So where does that fit in the big plan? Where does that fit into the big picture of things? So a very interesting thing. I mean, if you look at, if you, I think if you really look at these numbers and really listen to the things that they say, they don't want to admit that there's Eastern Métis, but they can't not say things like this, where there's, I mean, just simple math, 500,000 minus 400,000 leaves 100,000 Métis out in the cold. So, and I think these people need to be taken to task for this stuff. If you're going to boast that you have 114,000 members, then prove it. Make it verifiable and provable. Make it public. Uh, but they can't. And they won't because then they'll be shown that they made that up, that they just used the Statistics Canada number and claimed that because it's the Métis Nation homeland. So they represent all Métis in Alberta. But they don't. They don't represent me. And there's a lot of Métis that they've kicked out refused to accept as members or Métis that simply have absolutely no interest in being part of their little um, secret group or special group. So they don't represent all Métis. Um, and I've, I've even heard government people say that. And so it's not a big secret, MNA or MNC. Let's just be honest. Just come out and be honest for a change. Let's try that. Try out what that would feel like. Uh, Moving on to that, we're, we'll, we'll stay with the theme of dishonesty here. This whole episode is just going to be a theme of dishonesty. And uh, so we had the cartel fluffing numbers and, and making things up and using stats can numbers when those aren't act, their actual membership numbers. Um, and then you have the government uh, looking into some Métis people in the East that were using their Métis cards to save taxes as though it was an Indian Act imposed status card. Uh, I don't know any uh, Métis person that's okay with this concept. Uh, the The reality is, is those 
privileges, quote-unquote, that the uh, Canadian government has attached to that Indian Act and Post Status card aren't privileges. They've been paid for. They are well paid for in blood, lives, and loss of culture. Um, that is a genocide card, ba- you know, that's, that's part of a, an, a genocidal law. And that is not a card that I want to emulate privileges from or I want to emulate anything. There is no positive thing that comes out of those Indian Act imposed status cards. And so for the Métis that think that it'd be cool to have tax breaks and stuff, you know what? It's not. Just accept life without it and move on. Because the real fight is not, oh, well, I don't want to pay GST or HST. Well, you know what? The real fight is I don't want my daughter who's Indigenous to be treated unfairly in the justice system. I don't want more missing and murdered women, men, girls, boys. Um, I I don't want to... There's some real serious issues out there. Saving taxes on a new car is really not a big issue. So let's let's just stop this. Um, I'm really disappointed with this organization, and and although I don't know anybody from that organization, uh, the leader was quoted saying that the group doesn't... The group's card does not say that it's for tax exemption use, and th- but they're not opposed to the members using it for that reason, and they feel that if the laws are being broken, it's by the retailer. And I think that's a terrible attitude to have. Uh, all that is is opportunistic, um, pe- people being opportunists. Uh, it's no different than when uh, you know people claim that you know we're trying to usurp uh, you know in First Nations rights on to the land and hunting and harvesting rights. And there are people out there that are going to try to do that. Absolutely. I'm not even going to deny it. It's, it's just a fact. People are people. If you can game a system, the people will try to do it. So I think it's, you know, I, I think these people really need to be shut down. I think this, this crap needs to end. Uh, and, you know, it's, again, it's people taking advantage of the system. And anytime you have that, it just leaves everybody unhappy. And... To me, I see a lot of similarities between this and other organizations signing, you know, agreements with enter on resources and stuff like that, without even bothering to include the the First Nation whose territory that traditionally was. They'll just sign it up and say, "What? We're Indigenous. We can sign whatever we want." Well, technically, you are, but let's be respectful here and. You know, I think at the end of this, we're going to see a common theme with all this stuff. So let's continue this thread of of dishonesty and lying and cheating and scamming. Uh, let's talk about the uh, Auditor General report on the Indigenous uh, Affairs, or whatever they're called now, CERNA. I don't know what the hell they're called. Um, the Government of Canada making claiming or reporting on indigenous statistics uh, the auditor generals called them incomprehensible failure and i think that's a huge thing to say for an auditor general to call a department in the government of canada an incomprehensible failure on its reporting so let's go through some of the things that they found with the auditor general report and then we'll kind of we'll kind of break down uh, i guess my thoughts our thoughts on this but the government of Canada, there was a couple examples that they used in the articles I read, and the government of Canada spent $42 million over four years for First Nation post-secondary prep program, preparation program. Uh, but the auditors found that only 8% of those enrolled actually completed the program. And not only that, they found that the government of Canada did nothing, like attempt to even contact the First Nations that were involved, 
or um, you know educators or anything like that to try to work with anybody to improve that outcome. It was just, you know, we just blew $42 million, but we had a program. It's all good. Who cares about what the outcome? Um, they also reported that 46% of First Nations finished high school between 2011 and 2016. That's fantastic, right? I mean, 46% is not good, but uh, auditors found that only 24% that started high school completed it. Uh, so those are some substantial differences in numbers. Uh, they also found that there was a huge inconsistency in funding students over 21 who were trying to go back to get their high school uh, diploma. Uh, some people were getting funding over the age of 21, and so others were not. And how they decided was an incomprehensible failure. Uh, so that was what the Auditor General, those were some of the examples. Um, the Auditor General said that the Government of Canada hasn't been reporting these statistics at all accurately. Uh, the information on education, income and health, and the failure of Services Canada to track the progress in closing socioeconomic gaps uh, between Indigenous and non-Indigenous were, the reporting on all of that was completely incomplete. And I mean, that's a, come on. You have programs that you've, you're not even going to bother tracking the outcomes of. You're going to have. You're going to spend money on stuff that you. You don't even care what the outcome is. And so, oh, there were. And there was one more uh, example where they they after 30 years of federal funding going to various employment training programs for Indigenous people, the government of Canada failed to track whether any Indigenous people were successfully finding or remaining employed after. So, <clears throat> what this says to me is, you know, when they come up with these budgets and when when organizations are so proud of all the money they're getting in the budget, like $500 million over 10 years for housing, but split between six organizations, it's fantastic, none the money. Uh, it's just so much money. But yet, the government of Canada just, they, they make these promises and then the money just gets wasted. And... Even if they deliver a program, they don't care what the outcome is. I mean, they're not delivering these programs with any intention of caring about the outcome of the program. So that's a clear sign that your government does not care about Indigenous people. When they create a program to uh, try and help you improve your opportunities to get employment and they don't track it at all, about the outcome, that means they didn't care. They delivered a program, and they could go to the press now and say, we spent money on a program for an employment training program. Awesome, we're such great people. So is this what reconciliation looks like? Is it when the government just makes programs, they don't really give a shit about the outcome, and they're just going to pat themselves on the back, and everybody's going to drink wine and have some more hors d'oeuvres and go home? Like, is that really what this is? I think so. So it's just more lies, more more misrepresentation of numbers, more falsehoods. Um, and what for? Why? Can, like, when does honesty ever become, like, come into play here? And, and I think that's the theme with all three of these things is you're lying for no reason. You know, you, so even if you're not, even if you don't have a nefarious um, reason for lying, Let's say, uh, you know, David Chartrand said he represents over 400,000 Métis simply because he was just reading an article and that was the number that popped in his head and then later he went, oh, geez, no, it's more like, 
it should I should have said this, but I said that. Well, you know, I'm, maybe there's the no nefarious thing about it. But the truth is, is when you start lying about the simple little things, then it makes everybody start thinking, well, if you're willing to lie about your membership, which is like, I don't know, the most basic, simple thing out there, like, just be honest about that. But if you're willing to lie about that, how can we trust you to run millions and millions and millions of dollars through your organization? How can we trust you that when you say we're going to offer a program to do this, that you really are? And if you do offer the program, are you going to track the outcome so that you can improve the program? Or is this just, hey, we spent the money and you should be just goddamn happy? Um, is, is that really what this boils down to? Because that's what it seems like. Um you know, with their lies about their membership numbers and all this stuff, it sends a completely wrong message. It, it makes people go, hey, we all know the truth. That's a lie. So now we can't trust you. Um, then you have other Métis that are trying to use their card as an Indian Act and impose status card. Well, why? Uh, it just makes you look bad. It makes you look like a swindler. It makes you look like a... Uh, person, all they want is the card just to take advantage of it. And there's no pride. It doesn't exude any Métis pride. It doesn't show that you're proud of your family or your heritage or your lineage. It proves that you're an opportunistic person. That's all it proves. And to me, that's all that is. It's opportunistic. And it's disgusting. Um, and then we move on to the government of Canada absolutely lying about... Um, Indigenous uh, statistics. And why would they do that? Well, because then they can go to the press and say, look how much we've improved it. And it, it is such a clear uh, reason why they can go into elections and have all these numbers. And, you know, Indigenous people look around going, really? That, that seems high or that seems odd. I don't know if that number's true. But, I mean, you know, there's ways of proving it with the government. There's Freedom of Information Acts and stuff like that. There's Auditor Generals. So, but we, the problem with that is we never find out until it's afterwards, until it's way too late that these these lies have been told. And and then we sit around and go, well, how can we fix it? That was two governments ago that that shit started. Or, you know, well, th and this government gets the great opportunity now to be like, hey, but we're trying to fix these things. See, we're such a good government. We're going to accurately report these things. And the... We're going to take everything the Auditor General said and we're going to implement um, any recommendations or anything. We're going to close those gaps. And that's essentially what they said in response to this was that they didn't feel that they were incomprehensible failures. They were failures, though. But they were very comprehensible and that they are working very diligently to close these gaps and to improve the reporting and, and make it accurate. And... So, you know, now going into an election in what, in, in less than a year, maybe a year, year and a half, something like whatever that is, um, 2019, we're, we're going to go into another election and they're going to roll out some of these kinds of numbers and be like, hey, but see, we've improved the reporting, we've improved this. And well, how do we know that's true now? I mean, you could just be making that crap up just to get elected and there's a good high chance they will be. And, you know, I'm, I, this is what we've boiled down to. I mean... This is what we've come to expect out of out of our government, out of people, out of uh, organizations that want to claim to be a government but are really just nonprofit corporations privately registered with the province that they're in. Um, all of them lie. All of them make stuff up. 
all of them have no ethical component component to them to compel them to tell the truth or be honest or or carry themselves with any type of integrity um I I don't claim to be a perfect person and I make mistakes, but the truth is is I don't run a multi-million dollar non-profit corporation that if I if you truly did represent 400,000 Métis, then you got a lot of work to do to make their lives a whole hell of a lot better and you better start doing a better job because it sucks. Um, there is so much unhappiness, disengagement, uh, turmoil, and you're doing a terrible job. So to lie about it makes you look like you're doing a worse job than you are. So it's just a dumb lie. <clears throat> but all of this, we, we've come to expect this out of our leaders. We've come to accept it out of these leaders, so-called leaders. Uh, where, where, where are the days? I mean, what is the point of, of somebody in the Métis National Council lying to its people? Um, you know, we can expect that out of the government of Canada, the government of Alberta, or provincial governments, wherever you are. Even municipal governments, that kind of goes with the grain of things, right? I don't think we should accept it, but we do. Um, but really, these organizations are there to represent people. And if they want to represent people, you goddamn well better be honest with them. Like, it, it, this is ridiculous. Um, and so that's that's my take on all this. I mean, I just, it's it's a running theme and it shows how... It doesn't matter what organization is. It doesn't matter what level of so-called government it is. It doesn't matter. They there's just lies that are abundant. Um, there's just absolute falsehoods being stated. There's, you know, we're gonna you twist things to our benefit. We're gonna twist things to make ourselves look good so we can win another election. Whatever it is. And at the end of the day, the only people that are really losing in this is all of us. So that's my take on the on the lies and deceit. Uh, just just lies and scams. That's all it is. So uh, it's a bit shorter podcast tonight because it's just me. Uh, if you got any questions or comments or concerns, please feel free to send them to metipodcast at gmail.com. And we'll continue to check that and, and respond. <clears throat> One thing I wanted to talk to Jason tonight about, which uh, we're going to obviously save till next time he's able to be on the show, is I do want to talk to him. I, w I had a question from a uh, lady uh, about you know living traditionally on the land and some of the challenges that are faced by people trying to live traditionally on the land. And I wanted to talk about that tonight, but we obviously didn't get a chance. Um, so I'm going to save that for the next time, but that's something that uh, we can all look forward to. I think it's an interesting conversation to have. It, it can be a long conversation. It can be a short conversation. Um, but I think it's definitely something that I want to bat some ideas around with Jason and see what he has to say. So that'll be something we look forward to in the, the next ranty episode. Um, I'm going to try to get an interview out uh, next week that I did up in Fort McMurray. So that'll be uh, quite awesome. It was a really good chat. Uh, we talked about um, everything to do with uh, their their local up there, their local community. Uh, well, not everything, but as much as we could in an hour. So I wanted to let you guys know that that's going to be coming up next week. And then the week after that will be the ranty one again. So hopefully we'll be getting it. Jason will be able to make that one and we'll... We'll get a chance to talk about what it means to live on the land and how we can maybe move towards that if we want to. Uh, other than that, that's really all I got. And uh, I apologize to you guys if, you, if this is a little bit shorter of an episode and you wanted more. Um, but hey, that's the life of a podcaster.
so if you did enjoy this show or you did enjoy any of the other shows, um, if you want to get access to exclusive content, if you want to get some rewards, head over to our Patreon page. Uh, and again, the link will be in the description of this episode. And you can pledge anywhere from a dollar a month and up. And what that really does is helps keep us advertisement-free and helps us grow the show. Uh, there is some, you know, some cost to doing this, and but we really want to get out to communities, and and we have been. We even used some of our patron money to uh, help support sending a, a young woman to a, a young indigenous woman's retreat. So that's where some of that money is going to be going. Uh, for those that have already signed up as patrons, I thank you. And for those that are thinking about it, you know, it's a cup of coffee a month, really, is what it boils down to. So head over there, check that out on our Patreon page. Uh, we really appreciate uh, your support, and we really want to keep this show advertisement-free because advertisements annoy me. Um, but that's all I got for tonight. I hope you guys have a great week. Uh, the blog will be out on Friday, so check that out. Again, check out our website if you want to get set up on our email list and things like that. We would love to have you sign up. So get over there and do that. And until then, I hope you guys have a great week. And, you know, go out there and be good ancestors. And until next time, the jig is up. You are the spark that's starting a fire that will spread across this land. And it will be a fire that doesn't burn, but a fire that cleanses. A fire that ignites in our hearts and creates light. No more living in darkness. Our time now.